lately I've been sort of reflecting on a, on a concept that's, I think, starting to gain momentum in our culture, and that's this idea of something being easy. You hear it a lot. So, you know, they, they have online services now where you can shop online, HEB, things like that, and make life easy is what they're saying. And a lot of the commercials on TV, so easy even a child can do it. And even my grandson, who's six years old, has a kind of a new favorite saying. It's, you know, oh, Grandpa, easy peasy lemon squeezy. <laughs> it's like he's already wants things to be easy. And even in our culture, the ultimate goal of life is what? To end up on easy street. And there's, there's good things about that concept, but it's even starting to seep into relationships. And I think that can be very destructive. I sometimes hear young folks say, oh, it's so easy to be with that person, the person I love. It's so easy. And expectations can start to be formed. And I remember many years ago as a young boy, I think these expectations started to be formed by some of the sitcoms that were on television. Because the family unit that was pictured on TV was nothing like what I experienced in my own life. And so one of my favorites was Father Knows Best. And I think we have the opening credits here. Father Knows Best. Robert Young. And Jane White. With Eleanor Donahue, Billy Gray, and Lauren Chapin. In Father Knows Best. I'm sure you all remember that, right? <laughs> Actually, that was the early 60s. And, and the typical Father Knows Best uh, sitcom weekly show would be one of the kids have some problem, which in the grand scheme of things was pretty small. And then they would come home and say, Oh, Father, I have this problem. And he'd scratch his chin knowingly as the father of the house and, and solve the problem. And by the end of the show, everybody was happy. Well, the problem was I was growing up in a house, as many of you know, where my dad was an alcoholic. Uh, he would often get violent, and I couldn't relate to that. And I really thought that's how most houses were, what they were like. Now, most of you don't remember that show, but maybe you have a similar feeling maybe with this show. admit it, you all wish you grew up in that house, right? Well, that was the way I felt. I mean, come on, the three father figures, they're comedians. Of course, it's funny. Of course, it's always easy and fun. But here's what I want to explain to you. The idea that family relationships or marriage relationships are easy is a lie. And it's a very destructive lie. Because here's what's been happening over the years. People get into a marriage or a relationship, and all of a sudden there's conflict. And so what's the natural tendency? Well, everybody else has it easy. 
it must be our problem, and they bail on the relationship. And so very counterintuitively, the best thing you can do for your relationship is understand this truth, that it's going to be hard. And once you realize it's going to be hard and that it's hard for everybody, it becomes much easier to deal with. Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And what he's talking about is this simple fact. I don't know everybody in here well, but I know something about each and every one of you. And that is you are infected with this thing called sin. And what that does is it makes you self-centered. It makes you self-absorbed. And when two self-centered, self-absorbed people get into a relationship, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be hurt. It's going to be hard. And the sooner you accept that, the faster you can be on the road to making something beautiful out of your relationship. And so as we continue our series today, One Step Closer, we're going to be talking about one step closer in the area of family. So let's start with a word of prayer. Father, at this moment, I'm so aware that the one person that needs to be here most of all is you, Because the change that we all long for in our lives is only possible if you make that change, Father. So, Lord, please, would you speak and get me out of the way so that your word and your truth can go forth and accomplish what you desire in the hearts and lives of my friends here at Rock Hills. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've, this is our third week in our series, One Step Closer. We started with One Step Closer in Faith, One Step Closer in the Area of Health, and now One Step Closer in the Area of Family and Relationships. And, and what I'm going to talk about today is the nuclear family. That's husband, wife, and children. And, and there's, if, you, if you start with that and do a Google search, you will find literally thousands and thousands of books on those subjects. So where do you start? And I think most of you know me well enough by now to know that even though I was an atheist and didn't become a Christian until I was in my 30s, there's only one place I now start. Because when I became a Christian, I studied this book that we called the Bible. I studied how it was put together, and I studied the authenticity of this book. And I came to the conclusion that this is the very truth of God. It is a revelation of the God of the universe. And he is our creator and our designer. So in many ways, this is the owner's manual. So if we want to have instruction on any topic, this is the place we go. And if you look at the instruction for families and relationships, the principles aren't all that difficult. Yes, there's some scattered out throughout the, the Bible. But there's one place in particular where these principles are neatly distilled. It's in Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, and it hits on every relationship in the nuclear family. And we've got those verses summarized here, and it goes like this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, I've summarized those instructions, those guidelines for a family, and they're this, simply this. 
There's, these are, this is the summary of God's rules for families. And the first, and I think we have a slide here. The first is that husbands are to love their wives. If we don't, um, the second is wives, respect your husbands. The third is um, children, honor and obey your parents. And the fourth is fathers, don't exasperate your kids. All right? That's, that's a summary of the four instructions. And my temptation was, these are so simple and so straightforward that I could just put those up there, those instructions, and say, okay, now go home and do them. Let's close in a word of prayer, end of message. And most of you say, hey, I'll finally finish the message on time. What a, what a remarkable thing. But, but here's the truth. Logical principles, principles of the left brain, don't change your life. In fact, Jesus said a very famous quote in John 8, 32, and I think some of you know it. Jesus said, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But most people don't realize what he said just before that. He said, if you put into practice what I'm teaching you, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Logical principles don't set you free. Putting them into practice sets you free. And there's another problem in our culture, partly because of this idea of things supposedly easy, is the divorce rate has skyrocketed. For centuries, thousands of years, almost since the beginning of humanity, a husband and a wife couldn't afford to get divorced. They would be economically ruined if the father, we see this in Honduras, the men are out working all day in the fields, and if they come home, it takes hours to prepare a meal. It's essential for the wife to be there to raise the kids and to cook and to clean because this husband simply doesn't have time. If either of those people leave the unit, the other are in desperate conditions. That's no longer true, so the divorce rate is skyrocketing. And what that means is these very simple, straightforward principles are often not put into practice. And those are clearly enshrined in Ephesians 5 and 6. And so there's another principle that I want to lay as a foundation for my message today. And it goes like this. It's basically, if you're married, don't quit and work on your marriage. Don't quit and work on your marriage. Now, I want to take a little aside here. The Bible clearly states that the ideal situation is for a husband and a wife to stay in a marriage and to raise their kids. That's the ideal. But I understand there's single parents here, single dads and single moms. And I want to speak a word of grace to you today. Because even though that is the ideal, when the ideal is absent, God is present and he will provide the grace to fill in the gaps. So you'll hear me talking about this nuclear family and the husband-and-wife relationship, but please understand, if the ideal is absent, God will be there to fill in the gaps for you with his grace. Just cry out to him, and he will do that. But those are the four principles we need to talk about today, and I'm going to start kind of in reverse order. But in order to give you an image a vision, because that's what good teaching is, really. It's providing an image, providing a goal, providing, casting a vision so that you get an idea of what it's going to look like to put these into practice. And so since my overriding principle is don't quit and work on your marriage, 
One of the couples I'm going to highlight today are Sergio and Kathy Vega, and many of you know the Vegas. And Sergio is a veteran. I think we have a picture of Sergio when he was serving. And many of you know he was a veteran. He served in Saudi Arabia after, just shortly after the Gulf War, but it was still a war zone at that time. But what many of you don't know is that Sergio is a survivor of one of the most lethal, deadly terrorist attacks in the history of the U.S. military. He was at the Kobar Tower in 1996 when Hezbollah bombed the Kobar Tower. He miraculously survived that incident. But as a result of that tragic incident, Sergio suffers with PTSD. And if you know anything about PTSD and its effects, the divorce rate for people with PTSD is 80 to 90%. And yet, Kathy and Sergio are still here today. Well, they also had another circumstance that has an incredibly high divorce rate, and that is that their child, Sergio Enzo, had cancer. And if you look into that, you will find that somewhere north of 80% of the families, of the marriages where a child has cancer end in divorce because of the incredible stress and pain of that trauma. So Kathy and Sergio Vega had the PTSD and the cancer, and yet they are still here today. And if you will talk to them, they're very honest about this. Several years back, when Sergio was still going through his cancer treatment, their marriage was on the brink of fracture. And they had to make a decision. What were they going to do? And they decided to employ the two principles I just spoke about. They decided not to quit, and they decided to work on, your, on their marriage. You see, my idea and my, my hope for you all is not that you go home and say, okay, not going to quit. You know, we're miserable. You stay in your part of the house. I'll stay in my part of the house. And for the next 50 years, we're going to be miserable. But we didn't quit. There's more to life than that. And so don't quit, but apply these principles. Work on your marriage. And that's exactly what Sergio and Kathy did. They began coming to church regularly. They've been an incredible and important part of our faith community for years. Most Sundays, you'll find them right here worshiping. Sergio joined the Bible study that I was leading on Saturday mornings and worked on his marriage. Sergio and Kathy have been serving around town, and and Sergio has gone on Honduras mission trips, I think three or four. I mean, they're amazing servants. They've done so much more than just not quit. Starting years ago, they sought Jan and I out as, as mentors and advisors in their marriage, and they've tried their best to put those, those principles into practice. And if you talk to them, just like if you talk to Jan and I, who have been through a lot of pain and hurt, they would tell you, our marriage isn't perfect. We still have a lot of work to do. Jan and I would say the same thing. But they are working on their marriage. They're not quitting. So keep that image in mind as we go forward. Now, I just want to briefly say a few things about these four principles. So the first is, and I'm going in reverse order, as the scripture has them. Dads, don't exasperate your kids. I grew up in a home where my dad was nothing but exasperating. I mean, he completely exasperated me. He used to call me idiot all the time, except he it was profane. It was dumb, eh? Hey, dumb, come here. And he laughed at me. He mocked me. And I got so frustrated and exasperated. So fathers, the first thing I want to say 
there's a place to joke with your kids. There's a, there's a place sometimes to say something sarcastic. But just be careful how you do that. Too much of that will cause your child to be exasperated. The opposite of that, something I, I don't, I'm not big on experts, but I read a parental expert that I thought had a really good idea once, and it said, look, for your, look to try to catch your kids doing something right and encourage them and praise them. What a beautiful image there. We're always trying to catch our kids screwing up, right? Want to catch them screwing up so we can correct them? How about if you look to catch them doing something right and praise them? That will prevent exasperation. And it also says in that scripture for dads to train their children. There's a million different ways you can do this, fathers. You see, it's not ultimately the responsibility of Rock Hills or Base Camp or Angelica Lopez, who does an amazing job. It's up to you, fathers, to train your own children. That's your job. How do you do that? Use your creativity. Use your imagination. I'll brag on my son-in-law. What he does is he leads family devotionals. So my daughter and my son-in-law and, and Joshua and Amelia, they get together, and they open the Bible together. And one of the things he started doing a while back was memorizing Scripture with Joshua. And it's been an amazing thing. They do it together. And already at this point, Joshua and Michael have memorized Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 100, Psalm 150, and portions of the Gospel of John. And it's, I, they actually have a lot of fun doing it. When they do it together, it's a fun thing. So that's just one example. Use your creativity. But your instruction from God is not to exasperate your kids and to train them. Okay? Young folks, your instruction from God is to honor and obey your mom and dad. And I want you to listen to me, please. Please listen. Because there's a lot at stake here. Because the scripture says that it might go well for you in life. And you might enjoy a long life. You see, God is interested in building certain character qualities in you. Humility. There's a lot of smart people out there. When you go out into that world, you're going to find out you're not the brightest light on the porch. I promise you. There is a ton of really smart people out there. You're not the wisest people. Your parents are wiser than you are. God wants you to learn the humility of realizing there are people smarter, more wise, more mature, more intelligent. That's one character quality. And also respect for authority. The Bible has a lot to say about respect for authority. So obey and honor your parents. And what's at stake here is that life may go well for you. I'm sure all of you hope life goes well for you. Obey this instruction. What does that look like? Well, maybe not rolling your eyes when your parents tell you to do something. Maybe actually doing it. Maybe respectfully actually saying, instead of, yeah, maybe, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And most of all, when they're not looking, don't then take that opportunity to disobey. Honor your mother and your father and obey them, and it might go well for you. That's a word for you. Now, husbands and wives. Husbands, love your wife. Wives, respect your husbands. Many of us know there's a book out there called Love and Respect, and, and there's research that seems to indicate that a wife's greatest need and, and greatest desire, generally speaking, these are generalizations, is love. 
And so husbands, how do we make our wife feel loved? We, we need to follow this instruction. Again, be creative. You can go out and get the book, Five Love Languages. That profoundly helped me because I was trying to love Jan in a way that wasn't particularly speaking to her. And so as I read that, it said that there are love languages like acts of service and quality time and the giving of gifts and, and uh, physical touch and words of affirmation. And I was trying to give her gifts, you know, because it was easy for me. Hey, you know, I had money, go buy a present. That didn't really speak to Jan. What spoke to her was more quality time. And so one day she said, you want to go for a walk? It's like, going for a walk wouldn't be in my top 100 things to do, okay? But in this day, I guess I was doing pretty well, fairly new Christian. I went for a walk with her. And we actually had a pretty good talk. And over time, I started going for more walks. And now, I love going for walks with Jan. It is some of the best quality time. But the point here is, I found a way to love her in a way that actually spoke to her. So if you want to take one step closer in the area of family, maybe go buy that book and try to put that into practice. As I was talking with Sergio, he said, I have so far to go. (laughs) I don't love Kathy well. He was very honest about it. He said, but one thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to just not talk so much, just close my mouth and listen, particularly when we get in any kind of conflict. Like my tendency is I want to bow up and kind of overwhelm her and out-argue her. Now I'm trying to listen and not try to win the argument. He says, I have a long way to go even in that, but at least I'm trying. That's one, er- one way he can love his wife. One other thing that, that I'll mention to you guys is tone of voice, okay? We can be very, very harsh with our wives. I, this is something I really struggle with. And this really hit home. I was a Christian. I was still being very harsh. Sometimes I'm I'm still that way with Jan, but it was pretty bad back as an early Christian. We were actually mentoring a couple, and they wanted to meet because they were having some struggles, and the only time we could find to meet was one morning we went to breakfast at Denny's, and we're sitting there. We're just kind of saying hello and asking, catching up a little bit, and the waitress is coming and going, and finally I say, okay. I looked at the wife, and I said, you know, what, what are you hoping for in your marriage? And she thought for a moment and was quiet. And I'll never forget, tears started streaming down her face. And she said, I just hope someday my husband treats me as well as he's treating this waitress. And that was like an arrow in my heart because I was doing the same thing with Jan. Oh, to everybody else, I was this great guy, you know, always upbeat, always positive. With her, I was crushing her with my harshness my tone of voice. So that's, that's for everybody here. Be careful with your tones of voice with your spouse. And so wives, respect your husbands. I've had some wives say, well, <laughs> not sure what to respect. Well, <laughs> maybe you have to get creative too. I mean, does your husband have a job? Maybe he does. You know, how about saying, I really respect your work ethic. I appreciate and respect that you go to work every day. Does he try as a, as a, as a father? I really respect your efforts as a dad. Again, I, I remember a story. A friend of mine was a counselor. He said, I just had this interesting thing happen today. We were at dinner with him. And he said, had this couple come in, came in, and she was really strong. They sat down. I said, well, what can I help you with? She says, well, you need to get him to stop nagging. <laughs> he goes, okay. 
what does he nag about? Well, he nags about everything. You know, most of our marriage problems are his fault. And he says, well, give me an example. Well, he nags me about uh, that I don't work, and he has to work hard and bring in all the money. And he nags me about private school and how expensive that is. And he nags me about the house and, and all the money I spend on the house. So he looked at her and he said, ma'am, what, what do you think about those things? She said, what, what do you mean? He said, what do you think about your house and the schools? He said, she just thought for a moment. She said, wow, I'm so grateful for this house. I never thought I'd live in a house this beautiful. In the private schools, they're amazing. My kids are getting such a wonderful education. I'm so grateful for that. And, and the fact that I can stay home, my mother always had to work, and I love greeting my kids. What a, what a gift that is. And he looked at the husband, and again, he was just kind of choking up. He said, sir, have you ever heard those words before? He said, husband, all I could do is shake his head. He said, ma'am, I'm going to leave the room. And I want you to tell your husband what you just told a perfect stranger. And he said, they must have done it because when he came back into the room, they were hugging and there, there was a lot of tears. And over the course of time, even though she said at the beginning she thought 90% of the problems were his and 10% were hers, and that may have been true, when she started giving him the respect that he longed for, guess what? The nagging stopped. The harsh language stopped. And so I don't know what the breakdown is. I, I think in my marriage, I'm about 90% of the problem. I really do. But I'm so grateful for Jan because she continues to work on whatever percentage is her fault and doesn't focus on me. So wives, respect your husbands. And, and basically, folks, those are the principles. That's it. Again, you know, go to 10 Minutes with God. It's going to be a summary there. Ephesians 5 and 6. Four very basic principles that really tell you, no matter what part of the nuclear family you are in, how you can take the next step, one step closer in the area of family. And there's one other image I want to leave you with, another story of a couple who exemplify this idea of don't quit, don't give up, and work on your marriage. And it's the story of Chad and Kathy Robichaud. Now, Chad was a New Orleans police officer. After 9-11, he decided he wanted to join up. So he, he joined up, and he joined Special Forces. He was a Special Forces Marine Recon guy. I mean, these guys, as you know, and he was in Afghanistan. He was on the most difficult, violent missions imaginable. During the course of his first deployment, he went on several just astonishing missions, and he got addicted to the adrenaline. So he went back on a second deployment and a third deployment. He went on eight deployments to Afghanistan as a special forces operator. You can imagine what that did to the family. He had a wife and kids back home, and the family unit began to disintegrate. And then in his eighth deployment, he began to shake uncontrollably. He began to have severe nightmares. He began to have violent outbursts. Those are all symptoms of PTSD. So Chad was discharged with a, with a diagnosis of PTSD, and he came home trying to put his marriage back together. He was near suicidal. 
He couldn't work. He was depressed. And his wife, Kathy, said, look, you used to be one of the top martial arts guys in the whole country. He competed a lot. Why don't you go back to martial arts? And so he did. He went back in the gym and got ready and, and, and got back into it. And then he decided he was going to go into MMA, mixed martial arts. And I think we have a picture here of Chad. And he became the number one rated MMA flyweight fighter in the world. I mean, he was just a, a tough, bad dude. But the problem was that didn't solve his underlying problems. He got on the road, got addicted to MMA and, and the lifestyle and, and the drugs and, and the groupies and, and all the other things that come with it and decided he was going to divorce his wife. He separated, was about to divorce her. But in the midst of that, he felt so bad about leaving his wife and family that he became suicidal. And several nights, he said, he sat in his closet with a gun, was about to pull the trigger. But before he did that, he decided he wanted to see his wife, Kathy, one more time. And we'll let Chad pick it up in his own words what happened after that. My wife, on the other hand, is having a completely different reaction than me. She's in church every day praying for me. She said she didn't know how to pray for me because she was so angry. So she would just pray to God. She'd say, God, let me see Chad the way you see Chad. Help me to forgive Chad the way you forgive Chad. She asked me how could I have done all these professional things in my life and been successful at. She's like, how could you do all these things? And when it comes to your family, you'll quit. And, uh, you know, she was absolutely right. And I decided that I was going to put the same professional work ethic the same character, same discipline, the same things that I put into my professional life, into my, into my family, and the things that matter most. And I literally like put a pen to paper and laid it out on, laid out this plan of how I was going to do it. And I had to go to my wife and ask her, "Can you find someone to help me from your church to help me do this?" And she introduced me to this man named Steve Toth, who became my mentor. And he looked at my my plan that I had on paper, and he said, uh, "Yeah, it's not going to work. You're going to fall right on your face again." I was like, you know, why? He said, well, you didn't put God in this plan. And uh, so I made a decision to uh, just submit my life to Christ and to allow this mentor to walk me uh, into a true relationship with God, uh, a personal relationship that I had never had before. My name is Chad Robichaud, and I am second. I'd, I'd like folks to be honest here, just for a minute. How many of you who are married, or in a committed relationship heading toward marriage perhaps, how many can honestly say that they pray for their spouse at least five minutes every day? Look around the room. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm holding my hand up just as a... How many people here, another question, can say that they spend at least five minutes a day on the Internet, social media, just, just breezing around the Internet? Let's see a show of hands. 
Come on, be honest. Five minutes a day. Come on. Again, look around the room. What else do I need to say? The reason marriages aren't healthy in the American culture is because we think it's going to be easy. It's not. We're going to have to fight for our marriages just the way Kathy fought for her marriage, just the way Vegas fought for their marriage. She prayed every day for Chad. What's going to be you're one step closer. Yes, love your husband, excuse me, respect your husband, love your wife, obey your parents, don't exasperate your kids. How about one step closer to having a healthy family and relationship by praying? Because here's what I believe with all my heart. If you take that one step closer, start praying for your spouse, you're going to go on the most amazing journey you could ever imagine. And you know what? You may actually end up with a family like Father Knows Best or Full House. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the instruction you've given us. These instructions are very straightforward. My prayer for my friends here today is that they will take that one step closer, that one step of faith, to start putting into practice these principles. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.